Hello. This was my second talk given as a high counselor in the Hibbard Fifth Ward in the Hibbard Building. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. I bring the love of the stake presidency. President Zangater specifically said, tell the members that we love them and are continually praying for their welfare. Also, I bring an invitation from the stake presidency to the technology fireside. Brothers and sisters, we would like to invite you to the technology fireside at that the stake will be holding next week on Sunday, March 28th at 6.30 p.m. All youth ages 11 and up and adults are invited to attend. This fireside will be held in person and virtually. There will be limited seats available for the in-person sessions due to COVID restrictions. Those who would like to attend in person will need to register at rnstake.org. Topics discussed will include why we love technology, building relationships in a technology world, safeguarding our homes, using social media for missionary work, introducing technology to our children, emotional resilience. For more information and to register for in-person attendance, please visit rnstake.org. Thanks, the Rexburg North Presidency. Okay, the topic for my talk this month comes from the conference address from Elder Suarez of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles entitled, Seek Christ in Every Thought. I love that title. Seek Christ in Every Thought. Keeping your thoughts continually in the right place is difficult at times. Imagine if you had a screen on your forehead and all day as you were walking around, people could see what you were thinking. That might not always be good because if your thoughts are wrong, your day is wrong. If your thoughts about your spouse are wrong, then your words are going to be wrong and it won't be a good day. If your thoughts are wrong about food, you'll eat in a way that won't support your health. And eventually that's going to catch up with you. We could do this all day. If your thoughts are wrong about one of your children, then your words are wrong. Then your actions are wrong. Then it ends up with the wrong result. Elder Suarez said this, God truly knows every aspect of our souls. Being aware of all that is necessary for us in this life. The Savior invites us to seek Him in every thought and to follow Him with all of our heart. This gives us the promise that we can walk in His light and that His guidance prevents the influence of darkness in our life. Seeking Christ in every thought and following Him with our heart requires that we align our mind and desires with His. The scriptures refer to this alignment as standing fast in the Lord. This course of action implies that we are continually, that we continually conduct our lives in harmony with the gospel of Christ and focus daily on everything that is good. Only then may we achieve the peace of God, which passeth all understanding and which will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Savior himself instructed the elders of the church in February 1831, treasure these things up in your hearts and let the solemnities of eternity rest upon your minds. So, moment by moment, we need to be guarding our thoughts. Despite our continuous efforts to seek out the Lord, inappropriate thoughts may penetrate our mind. When such thoughts are permitted and even invited to stay, they can shape the desires of our heart and lead us to what we will become in this life and eventually to what we will inherit for eternity. Metaphorically speaking, yielding to temptation is like approaching a magnet with a metal object. The magnet's invisible force attracts the metal object and holds it tightly. 
The magnet loses its power over it only when the metal object is placed far from it. Therefore, just as the magnet is unable to exercise power over a faraway metal object, as we resist temptation, it fades away and loses its power over our mind and heart and consequently over our actions. Elder Suarez continues, This analogy reminds me of an experience that a very faithful member of the church shared with me some time ago. This member told me that when she awakened on one particular morning, an improper thought that she had never experienced before unexpectedly entered her mind. Although it caught her completely by surprise, she reacted against the situation in a split second, saying to herself and to that thought, no, and replaced it with something good to divert her mind from the unwelcome thought. She told me that as she exercised her moral agency and righteousness, that negative involuntary thought immediately disappeared. Did you notice something about this faithful member? It was not enough to simply stop thinking about something. She needed to replace it with something good. One great way to do this is with music. Have it playing in your home, in your children's room, or in your car. Surround yourself. Create an atmosphere of purity and holiness. Every room in your house should have a Bible and a Book of Mormon. Out, opened, and ready to be accessed. I mean, you check Facebook many times. How important it is to check in with the Holy Scripture to be able to be continually creating an atmosphere of purity and holiness. Maybe if we have the Bible open to John 10.10, 10, we'll read that Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Or we might have the Book of Mormon open to Mormon 9.11, and it says that we serve a God of miracles. Won't that change our thoughts? We need to be intentional about creating that atmosphere. It's hard to be sinful if you are listening to Joseph Smith's first prayer. Back to Elder Suarez, he said, When Moroni called upon the people to believe in Christ and to repent, he urged them to come unto the Savior with all their hearts, stripping themselves from all uncleanness. Furthermore, Moroni invited them to ask God, with unbreakable determination that they would not fall into temptation. Applying these principles in our lives requires more than a mere belief. It requires adjusting our minds and hearts to these divine principles. Such adjustment requires a daily and constant personal effort. In addition to reliance on the Savior, because our moral inclinations will not disappear on their own, Fighting against temptation takes a lifetime of diligence and faithfulness. But please know that the Lord is ready to assist us in our personal efforts and promises remarkable blessings if we endure to the end. During a particular difficult time when Joseph Smith and his fellow prisoners in Liberty Jail did not have freedom in anything except for their thoughts, the Lord provided helpful counsel and a promise to them That is extended to all of us. Let thy bowels be full of charity towards all men and women and to the household of faith. And let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion and thy scepter an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. In doing so, holy thoughts will continually adorn our minds and pure desires will lead us 
to righteous actions. My beloved brothers and sisters, I testify that we rely upon the rock of our salvation, the savior of our souls, and follow Moroni's counsel. Our ability to control our thoughts will increase significantly. I can assure you that our spiritual maturity will grow at an increasing pace, changing our heart, making us more like Jesus Christ. Additionally, the influence of the Holy Ghost will be more intense and continuous in our life. Then the enemy's temptations, little by little, will lose their power over us, resulting in a happier and more pure and consecrated life. A happier life. One of my all-time favorite quotes comes from President Heber C. Kimball. I'm perfectly satisfied that my Father and my God is a cheerful, pleasant, lively, and good-natured being. Why? Because I am cheerful, pleasant, lively, and good-natured when I have His Spirit. He is a jovial, lively person. The Father and the Savior are both happy persons. They have told us to be happy also, to be of good cheer. We sing, when Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in the soul. That's in the hymn book, 227. Happiness should be in your face. It should show. But again, we ask, how could God be so happy? Because he lives after the manner of happiness. Happiness is a decision. You decide to be happy no matter what happens. We are all intentional about replacing bad thoughts with good ones. We are creating a atmosphere of happiness in our minds and hearts. Keeping the faith means being an optimist. Follow the prophets. Follow the Savior. They are optimists. Jesus said, be of good cheer. You are therefore a cheerleader. That is, you are a leader of cheer. Jesus wants us to be happy as he is. Satan wants you to be miserable as he is. Choose to be happy like Jesus. Back to Elder Suarez. My dear friends, when we resist the little temptations, we often come unexpectedly, which come unexpectedly in our lives. We are better equipped to avoid serious transgressions. As President Spencer W. Kimball said, seldom does one enter into deep transgression without first yielding to lesser ones, which open the door to the greater. A clean field does not suddenly become weedy. While preparing to accomplish his divine mission on earth, the Savior Jesus Christ exemplified the importance of constantly resisting everything that might dissuade us from realizing our eternal purpose. After several unsuccessful attacks by the enemy who attempted to to divert him from his mission, the Savior categorically dismissed the devil by saying, Get thee hence, Satan. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Can you imagine, my brothers and sisters, what would happen if we were to derive strength and courage from the Savior and say no, and get thee hence to unvirtuous thoughts, that very first moment they come into our minds? What would be the impact on the desires of our hearts? How would our resulting actions keep us close to the Savior and allow the continued influence of the Holy Ghost in our lives? I know that by following Jesus' example, we will avoid many tragedies and undesirable behaviors that might cause family problems and disagreements, negative emotions and inclinations, perpetrating injustices and abuses, enslavement by evil addictions, and anything else that would be against the Lord's commandments. 
In his historic and touching message from April this year, our dear prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, made a promise that all those who are willing to hear him, hear Jesus Christ, and obey his commandments, we will be blessed with additional power to deal with temptation, struggles, and weakness, and that our capacity to feel joy will increase, even during the increasing current turbulence. I testify to you that the promises given by our dear prophet are the promises given by the Savior himself. I invite all of us to hear him in every thought and follow him with all our heart in order to obtain the strength and courage to say no and get thee hence to all the things that might bring unhappiness in our life. If we do so, I promise that the Lord will send an added measure of his Holy Spirit to strengthen and comfort us and we may become individuals after the Lord's own heart. I bear witness that Jesus Christ lives and that through him we may triumph over our enemies' evil influences and qualify for to live for eternity with the Lord in the presence of our beloved Father in heaven. And remember, Heavenly Father is the most powerful being in the universe. He is the most righteous being in the universe. He is the most intelligent being in the universe. He is the most loving being in the universe. He is the most forgiving being in the universe. He is the most long-suffering being in the universe. The most disciplined being in the universe. The wealthiest being in the universe. The kindest being in the universe. The holiest being in the universe. He is the greatest being in the universe, and you are his son or daughter. Along with Jesus, you are an heir of all he has. That is more than awesome. I testify of these truths with all of my love for you and for our beautiful Savior, in whose name I give glory, honor, and praise evermore. And I say these things in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that was my... High Council talk. Um, and then in the mail, I got this uh, card. And, and I have to read it to you. This was, this was so amazing to me. Um, just, it just said Kimberly Edwards. And I looked at the address and it looked like it was somebody that lived out in Hibbard. And she said, Dear Brother Christofferson. So she must have looked on LDS Tools and found my name and found my address, and sent me a letter, the old school way, in the, in the mailbox. She said, Dear Brother Christofferson, thanks so much for your talk on Sunday in the Hibbard Ward. My sons, 13 and 15, and I were driving home from Utah and listened. In these circumstances, I half expected them to sleep through church, but you had their full attention. Shortly after you finished, I lost cell service, which turned out to be a blessing because my 15-year-old started a discussion about your talk. They listened, they learned, and I am so grateful. Thank you, Kimberly Edwards. So, um, yeah, that was my second talk as a high councilman. I guess it's high counselor. Um, Kind of some amazing things. I'm feeling the blessings of the Lord. In my life. Hello, this is my third talk that I gave to the Mill Hollow First Ward in the Mill Hollow building. 
Dear brothers and sisters, my name is Mike Christofferson, and I am the newest member of the High Council. The stake presidency sends their love. Our topic this month is hope and safety from living prophets. Key thoughts from President Nelson's conference messages. In the priesthood session, the prophet's talk was, what are we learning and will never forget? He said, if you look at your life prayerfully, I believe you will see many ways in which the Lord has been guiding you through this time of hardship. My dear brother and I have looked forward to this virtual meeting with you. The last time we held a priesthood session of General Conference was in April 2019. Much has happened in the past two years. Some of you have lost loved ones. Others have lost jobs, livelihood, or health. Still others have lost a sense of peace or hope for the future. My heart goes out to each of you who has suffered these or other losses. I pray constantly that the Lord will comfort you. As you continue to let God prevail in your life, I know that he is just as optimistic about your future as he has ever been. Amid the losses we have experienced, there are also some things we have found. Some have found deeper faith in our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Many have found a fresh perspective on life, even an eternal perspective. You may have found stronger relationships with your loved ones and with the Lord. I hope that you have found an increased ability to hear Him and receive personal revelation. Difficult Trials often provide opportunities to grow that would not have come in any other way. Think back on the past two years. How have you grown? What have you learned? You might initially wish you could go back to 2019 and stay there. But if you look at your life prayerfully, I believe you will see many ways in which the Lord has been guiding you through this time of hardship, helping you to become a more devoted, more converted man, a true man, of God. I think that the prophet is helping us to remember the goodness of our Heavenly Father, even in challenging times. Those trials can make us better or bitter. The important thing is our focus. President Eyring has a great talk about remembering the goodness of God. He said, I wrote down a few lines every day for years. I never missed a day, no matter how tired I was or how early I would have to start the next day. Before I would write, I would ponder this question. Have I seen the hand of God reaching out to touch us or our children or our family today? As I kept at it, something began to happen. As I would cast my mind over the day, I would see evidence of what God had done for one of us that I had not recognized in the busy moments of the day. As that happened, and it happened often, I realized that trying to remember had allowed God to show me what he had done. More than gratitude began to grow in my heart. Testimony grew. I became ever more certain that our Heavenly Father hears and answers prayers. I felt more gratitude for the softening and refining that come because of the atonement of the Savior Jesus Christ. And I grew more confident that the Holy Ghost can bring all things to our remembrance, even things we did not notice or pay attention to when they happened. Learn to record not just the things we do or the things that happen to us, but more importantly, the lessons, the wisdom we gleaned from our experiences. Most essentially, a journal 
can become a repository for things God is trying to say to us, as well as a record of our efforts to implement that inspiration. As we learn to recognize and write spiritual impressions, we increase the likelihood that we will act on that light and knowledge. Following the resurrected Savior's visit with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, one of them spake, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? That's in Luke 24, 32. Notice the pattern. The inspiration was recognized, spoken, and then written so that it could be remembered. Because it was written, that simple phrase has blessed countless lives over two millennia. Learning to recognize and write inspired communication is a skill that can be developed. Learning the language of the Spirit will require great effort, familiarity with the Scriptures, sincere desire, diligent practice, and sustained commitment. As in learning any new language, you might struggle at first, but you will become more comfortable with time. In a sense, we all want to become native speakers of the language of the Spirit. And though we may have developed a degree of fluency, we all have far to go. It's a lifelong process, but it is worth the effort. Because there's no skill more important to our eternal well-being than learning the language of revelation. Back to President Nelson. I know the Lord has great and marvelous plans for us, individually and collectively. With compassion and patience, he says, Ye are little children, and ye have not as yet understood how great blessings the Father hath prepared for you. And ye cannot bear all things now, nevertheless be of good cheer, for I will lead you along. My dear brothers, I testify that he has been and is indeed leading us along as we seek to hear him. He wants us to grow, to learn, even through, especially through, adversity. Adversity is a great teacher. What have you learned in the past two years that you always want to remember? Your answers will be unique to you. But may I suggest four lessons I hope all have learned and will never forget. Lesson one, the home is the center of faith and worship. Often when the Lord warns us about the perils of the last days, he counsels thus, stand ye in holy places and be not moved. These holy places certainly include the Lord's temples and meeting houses. But as our ability to gather in these places has been restricted in varying degrees, we have learned that one of the holiest places on earth is the home. Yes, even your home. You may feel that there is still more you need to do to make your home truly a sanctuary of faith. If so, please do it. If you're married, counsel with your wife as your equal partner in this crucial work. There are few pursuits more important than this. Between now and the time the Lord comes again, we all need our homes to be places of serenity and security. Attitudes and actions that invite the Spirit will increase the holiness of your home. Equally certain is the fact that holiness will vanish if there's anything in your behavior or environment that offends the Holy Spirit. For then the heavens withdraw themselves, 
Have you ever wondered why the Lord wants us to make our homes the center of gospel learning and gospel living? It is not just to prepare us for and help us through a pandemic. Present, res- present restrictions on gathering will eventually end. However, your commitment to make your home your primary sanctuary of faith should never end. As faith and holiness decrease in this fallen world, your need for holy places will increase. I urge you to continue to make your home a truly holy place and be not moved from that essential goal. I love President Nelson's insight. The restrictions on gathering will eventually end. What part of the worldness are we going to let back in? Before we let something back in, maybe we should ponder this question from President Eyring. Have I seen the hand of the Lord reaching out to touch us or our children or our family today? Lesson two from President Nelson, we need each other. God wants us to work together and help each other. That is why he sends us to earth in families and organizes us into wards and stake. That is why he asks us to serve and minister to each other. That is why he asks us to live in the world, but be not of the world. We can accomplish so much more together than we can alone. God's plan of happiness would be frustrated if his children remained isolated one from another. The recent pandemic has been unique in that it has affected everyone in the world at essentially the same time. While some have suffered more than others, we have all been challenged in some way. Because of this, our common trial has the potential to help unite God's children as never before. So I asked, has this shared trial drawn you closer to your neighbors, to your brothers and sisters across the street and around the world? In this regard, the two great commandments can guide us first to love God and second to love our neighbor. We show our love by serving. If you know of anyone who is alone, reach out, even if you feel alone too. You do not need to have a reason or a message or business to transact. Just say hello and show your love. Technology can help you. Pandemic or not, each precious child of God needs to know that he or she is not alone. Another lesson from our prophet, we hear Jesus Christ better when we are still. S-T-I-L-L. We live in a time prophesied long ago when all things shall be in commotion, and surely men's hearts shall fail them, for fear shall come upon all people. That was true before the pandemic, and it will be true after. Commotion in the world will continue to increase. In contrast, the voice of the Lord is not a voice of great tumultuous noise, but it is a still voice of perfect mildness, like a whisper, and it pierces even to the very soul. In order to hear this still voice, you too must be still. For a time, the pandemic has canceled activities that would normally fill our lives. Soon, we may be able to choose to fill that time again with noise and commotion of the world. Or we can use our time to hear the voice of the Lord whispering His guidance, comfort, and peace. Quiet time is sacred time. Time that will facilitate personal revelation and instill peace. Discipline yourself to have time alone and time with your loved ones. Open your heart to God in prayer. Take time to immerse yourself in the scriptures and worship in the temple. My dear brethren, there are many things the Lord wants us to learn from our experience during this pandemic. I have listed only four and I invite you to make your own list. Consider it carefully and share it with those you love. 
The prophet Joseph Smith always stressed that the truths he had received through revelation were available to every Latter-day Saint who pays the price. God hath not revealed anything to Joseph, but what he will make known unto the twelve, and even the least saint may know all things as fast as he is able to bear them. That's in the History of the Church, page 149. That revelation need not come directly from heavenly messengers. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, we can know for ourselves all the truths that Joseph came, Joseph came to know. I did not have a sacred grove experience like Joseph, but I have received repeated assurance that God lives, that Jesus Christ is his son, and that they are two separate beings with bodies of flesh and bone. I was not near the Susquehanna River when John the Baptist and later Peter, James, and John conferred priesthood authority on Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, but I have been given a divine witness that the priesthood I hold came from God through those holding it. Without having Moroni appear in my bedroom and guide me personally to the gold plates, I have believed in the divinity of the Book of Mormon since my youth. Receiving witness after witness, evidence after evidence, repeatedly throughout my life until we are completely and severely and sincerely convinced that the best way to live is by totally following Christ's will, we will not be open to hearing his voice, and consequently we will not learn the many personalized lessons he would teach us. This is why a witness of the reality of God and his love for us individually is so essential. We call this a testimony. It is a foundation we can only receive directly from God. Consider the following pieces of that foundation. As you listen, in your mind, put a check besides those that seem most important to you at this time in your life. We need personal revelation to know that God exists and what kind of God he is. We need personal revelation to know that Jesus Christ is God's son who accomplished the great atonement which makes possible the plan of salvation for all humankind. We need personal revelation to know that Joseph Smith was, in fact, God's mouthpiece for the restoration of the gospel, and that God continues to work through living prophets who hold the priesthood keys delegated from God to man. We need personal revelation to know we can have confidence in the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. We need personal revelation to help us know how God feels about the course of our lives. We need personal revelation to help us repent, resist temptation, and keep steadfast. We need personal revelation to lift us when we stumble or when we are feeling discouraged or overwhelmed by life. We need personal revelation to help us bear the trials and adversity of mortal life. We need personal revelation to assist us in making wise choices and important decisions. We need personal revelation to help us serve as God's angels to bless the lives of others. We need personal revelation to help us put on the divine nature and become true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without this personal revelation, we may forget who we really are, spirit sons and daughters of God, and become distracted or grow weary in our hearts and minds. Having a storehouse of spiritual experiences recorded in our journals we will verify God's existence and goodness in our lives and enable us to faithfully weather those times when we may not feel His Spirit or when we're asked to do difficult things 
or be obedient in circumstances that may not make sense to us. The future is bright for God's covenant-keeping people. The Lord will increasingly call upon his servants, who worthily hold the priesthood to bless, comfort, and strengthen mankind, and to help people, the world, and its people for his second coming. It behooves each of us to measure up to the sacred ordinances we have received. We can do this. I so testify with my expression of love for each of you, my beloved brethren, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. An interesting thing about that talk in Mill Hollow is I was the only speaker. And the bishop wasn't there. President Hink was there. And the first counselor said, Hey, President Hink, would you like to say some words when this runs too short? But that talk was all that was needed for that whole meeting. No one else said anything after. So I loved it and I was blessed again and again. Thank you.